We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. I'm your host, James Anderson. And here with me this week is Big Johnny Stud, John Legaza of MLB Moving Averages. John, how are you doing, buddy? Man, this is just about the coolest thing ever. I was not kidding when I told you bucket list, man. If anybody, you know, worth their salt in this fantasy baseball thing of ours, to be on RotoWire, it's a blessing and an honor, man. I'm flattered. But let's have some fun. And I think we're going to really, I think we're going to do some, drop a couple dimes today, you know? Yeah, you know, uh, this is probably my least favorite time of the year to talk about fantasy baseball uh, just because it's there's just so many false positives and so many false negatives out there. And the, the sample size just isn't large enough. It, I don't think it's large enough for me to talk with uh, a ton of confidence about a lot of prospects who are in the minors breaking out. I don't think we've seen enough to say that you know, some of these rookies we're going to talk about in the big leagues are, are not ready for the show. And so it's kind of a, a dead time for me. And I wanted to have you on uh, largely to kind of just talk about uh, rookie of the year odds, because that's that's definitely kind of combining our two wheelhouses, I think. Uh, but I really don't really want to talk about uh, redraft because this has just been a brutal week for me in terms of just making terrible start sit decisions on the starting pitching side of things. Uh, it's just, it's just been brutal. Um, I feel like I did, did everything wrong. I could this week in the early going and it's only Wednesday, but uh, we're going to help people like you said. Uh, so what, you know, you, you wanted to talk first before we get into the specific player odds, just kind of about uh, the art of building a, a ticket uh, for these types of futures bets. Um, so what, what do you think people need to know? Well, 1,000%, right? First off, preparation, greater than sign, greater than sign, right? Five hours to chop down the tree. I spent four hours sharpening the ax. And even to the, there's so many adages, even though they can sound corny at times, they're all true. Like I could give you almost the right answers to the test, but if you don't know how to play it, you could end up losing. And that's really the thing with betting. So it's all about price and structure and risk management and dead serious. I mean, now granted something like futures, if you pick the right player because the odds are so great, you're probably going to win. But in the betting thing that I do, the daily betting thing, me and you could have the same picks at different times of the day. You got different prices. You went home with red ink. I went home with black ink. And that's just the way it is. 
So first things first, people, pricing matters more than anything, in particular to futures. The pricing is so disparate because, like you're saying, James, it's really wonky right now. No one knows what to do. And because they are markets, if somebody goes down and drops a bunch of money, that book is going to move their price a little bit. Then are other books going to follow and how much? And then are players going to respond to that? And there we have like the ebb and flow to give you an idea of the push and pull of a live market, right? So yes, that's always that bowl is always spinning. But to creating the ticket, which is really the next kind of paramount piece. And I showed this to you, and I hope I feel like the light bulb went off a little bit, but that might be my lion in the mouse moment, you know, talking to James Anderson here. And I was showing you that the what I do first is first I determine how much I want to spend, because that could be a problem with futures tickets, right? Why well, put a X amount, $100, could be 50 depending on the person. But what if you're like 15 people? What if you're like 20 people? Do you bet the same amount on every person? Is there any kind of structure? It's all different to, every, to different people. So I determine what I want to spend first. We call it R. Then you pick your players. And depending on their odds, I call it fine-tuning. I like to divide that R. And move the dials with how much I'm going to risk on each of those players. So if any of them hit, the venture is profitable. I know I went on a minute there, but hopefully that made it kind of digestible where, you know, I like to approach each venture independently. We want to win. You know, I'm going to handicap out in public, man. I got to take these losses. You know, people are putting their money on my stuff. I really take it very seriously that we're not just wasting. Gambling can be fun if you do it responsibly. And that's what I was hoping you and I, like, that's where my eyes were so wide when I had a chance to talk to you here and platform. Hopefully what's going to be thought of as good, actionable, impactful betting information, plus EV information for new folk who are just now being exposed to this market, which unfortunately can be kind of predatory and definitely dangerous. But if you do it properly, not only can you make money, but it could be a lot of fun. So that's hopefully what we're going to do is maybe just sometimes you're helping people how to win, but believe it or not, sometimes you're more showing people how to lose James. Yeah, man, I, I, I can't wait to, to kind of get into that. Um, and that's a that's a different tactic, what you, what you just kind of laid out, than I think most people start with. I think most people might say, oh, like, I think Corbin Carroll is going to win Rookie of the Year. And then they just are like, where can I go bet that? And then Yeah, they, they kind of run to it, actually. Yeah, and, and you're saying, no. you know, take a more kind of um, – you know, a better approach. Yeah, so. I'm actually, I'm going to bring mine up. So as we get to them, again, I kind of take my losses in public. I don't care. You know, I'm proud of these things. I put them out in public anyway. So we're going to go through and we'll review it. I'm curious what you think, because I look to you like you're my kind of lodestar for this prospect stuff. And part of how I build these tickets, but also like you said, I'm using part of my own personal expertise, weighing odds and trying to weigh risk reward properly. And I can't see the future. We try and put ourselves in the strongest probabilistic scenario, right? It's the best that we can do. So I'm really looking forward to this, man. I can't wait to dive in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, and let's dive in. I'm going to put up, um, I'm going to put up the AL rookie of the year odds uh, on the screen right now so that people um, can check those out. And I remember uh, I was kind of consulting a coworker before the season, uh, just in terms of AL versus NL rookie of the year odds, like what were the best bets? And I think I remember just saying, look, I, I know they're, they're short odds, but I give me Gunnar Henderson in the AL, give me Corbin Carroll in the NL. Uh, I don't, don't really want to overthink it, but I do think I'm ready to move off of 
Gunnar Henderson being my preferred pick in the AL. Uh, and I think you're going to see Hunter Brown up there at six to one, Masataka Yoshida six to one, uh, Taj Bradley 15 to one. Uh, you know, Mason Miller isn't even on the board. You can't bet Mason Miller, at least not on DraftKings, FanDuel, or BetMGM as of this morning. Uh, I, I mean, Josh Young at 13 to one. I think there's some, some pretty intriguing bets out there. there it's kind of in the AL. There's, we got sort of half of these top guys are performing well and half of them are underperforming and it's been three weeks. So do we move off of the guys that, that still have the high odds from before the season? Uh, there's a lot to digest on, on the AL side of things for, for rookie of the year. Yeah, I was, I was staying away from Gunnar Henderson just as much for the price as anything else. I was afraid that he would run with it. And again, this is, I wonder what your take on this is. He had, I don't want to call it an unfair advantage, but it just is what it is. The rules are what they are. They're above my pay grade. But the fact is Gunnar Henderson got a look at major league pitching and had an entire healthy offseason to prepare with the squad. Like, so for me, who's not a prospect person at all, I look to you totally, almost exclusively. But I do have my, you know, I've been playing for a long time. So it's like, I don't, I was telling you this, I don't roster prospects. I mean, I don't draft them necessarily, but I do roster them when they get dropped or when they meet certain criteria. So Gunnar had already played. I thought maybe that plus 350 started the year with was warranted. The player I thought wasn't was actually Yoshida was my top pick. I was tweeting about that. And it was just because he was experienced. He was looking to hit in the you know, top half of a good lineup. They gave him the bag. You know, he had like five 900 OPS seasons in a row. And I just figured playing is like half the battle here. He's moved down to like plus 600. So I think he still may be viable. He's been good, not great. Henderson, I've been getting away from. You mentioned the other names that I like, because right now it's anybody's. It's anybody's guess right now. Yeah, I think wide, it's wide open in the AL. Absolutely, and and now let's apply this stuff that I mentioned, James. This is what exactly what I was hoping for. Hey, you're pretty good at this. You should do this professionally. Um, the odds that you mentioned are pretty long, so if you take what the odds that you mentioned and the strategy that I had proposed, if you have players that are beyond ten to one, pick eight of them, man. You know, you can pick eight different players. And if you get the right one, the venture is profitable. And that's it. And it's that simple. So you mentioned Taj Bradley. I can't think of 15 players better than Taj Bradley, right? I mean, he just, he's red hot. He's on a competitive team. We know they have the organizational kind of underpinnings, all that good stuff. Okay, he's electric. Let's go. That's that's as simple as it should be. And that's the difference between my style of kind of building a portfolio or a stable, responsibly betting, and people who, oh, man, every time they like a pick, James, they have to go in their bank account and go get $100 or whatever it is. Where I said, no, I'm going to build a ticket. And whether it's 100 1000 or 100000 and I guarantee I have people in my betting subscriptions betting all of those things. That's how you do it and work backwards. So, Bradley, I also like Josh Young. He was one yeah. of my big – He was we, we didn't get to link up for underdog that you were covering. But he was one of my big – last round picks in fact i'm doing very well in basketball because i was punting back on middle infielders my all my last picks were yandy diaz and brandon donovan i mean you have to get them in the last rounds so that's what i waited for and it looks like josh young has the arrow pointed up right now hit a home run stealing a base if he's going more to 10 to 1 i think we should make him part of the portfolio too yeah i mean i i i liked josh young this year i liked yandy diaz more um so I don't, 
I don't regret the spots where I ended up with Yandy over over Young, but uh, just of the the high the high pedigree traditional prospect type, sort of uh, excluding Yoshida, uh, Young has been the best in the AL on the hitting side so far, I think pretty clearly. And uh, he's 13 to one still. Do you remember what he was preseason? Is this, is this a big move up for him? Yeah, I think it's gotta be, it had to be, it had to be 18 to 20. It had to be, he's had to have moved up. But yeah, because generally I, they had consolidated around that number. I don't remember. I guess we could look it up, but finding this stuff. Also, this goes to what I was mentioning about shopping and the disparity. Even if you were to find a price change, you don't really don't know where on the spectrum it is. So it goes to show you how volatile this stuff can be. And maybe to build one more time, you could say to yourself, and I didn't do this. Now, maybe I will going forward for next year because I've already spent my futures money and I'm very responsible. So I'm not going to go back in the account. Would be maybe to save a bit of my futures play for this first month and try and capitalize on, you know, once the gate is up and the race has begun actually having some live information, which is definitely more impactful than anything preseason, right? Knowing Josh Young is healthy and the strikeout rate is kind of cut down and we're seeing some power in real time. You know, I'd almost prefer the worst price with that information than having to have taken the leap before. Yeah, and uh, we have this uh, this cool page up on the, the Rotowire uh, betting site where you can see the odds for DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM all next to each other. Uh, Young is is 13 to one on FanDuel and BetMGM. He's 12 to one on DraftKings. Um, and like that, that Taj Bradley line, he's 15 to one on DraftKings, 13 to one on FanDuel, 14 to one on BetMGM. This, I mean, doesn't 15 to one seem like kind of a bad line right now? Uh, it is. Wednesday morning. Uh, maybe it just hasn't really been, maybe they moved it up to here from last night. I, I probably should have checked what it was yeah. uh, before his start, but. It does seem like Hunter Brown, six to one. That makes sense to me. I think he's a very reasonable favorite at this point in the AL. Uh, but I don't think Hunter Brown should be six to one and Bradley should be 15 to one. Why are they so disparate? I'm not that. I'm not so sure. We're only with, you know, 19 days in the rear view mirror with you know, five months to go. That, you know, that's a grain of sand on the end of the speech, man. We have everything in front of us. Those numbers should be close. That's funny. You kind of just made my Yoshida Gunnar Henderson argument. It wasn't that I loved Yoshida and didn't like Henderson. It's just they were three to one and ten to one, and I just didn't. I just couldn't kind of get to that gap. And sometimes, James, that's the essence of betting on these things is having that feeling. I'll tell you what to expand even further. How would I have done it? Let's say I had saved somebody for the futures thing, and I saved you know of the full unit. Maybe saving a quarter of it. Maybe I had said, man, I'm going to take three shots or. Four shots, right? 25%, maybe six divided by four, right? You know, six times four is 25 bucks. And do go like that and say, wow, then I have four other little moves to make in season. And I'll tell you, I I don't have exposure today. I told you I wanted to take the L. I want to do it. This was my AL Rookie of the Year. This is all assuming $100. So I had Yoshida was 10 to 1. Casas was 12 to 1. Esturi Ruiz was 50 to 1. So I bet 49, 41, and 10 on them respectively. And if any one of them were to hit, it was a 400% return. And they're like pretty simply how I chop up my ticket. I had a couple guys that I liked at odds. Boston, right, was going to – right, you can see where I'm going. They're both – I don't want to say they're not bad teams, but they're going to be prospect forward. Those players are getting a full run almost no matter what. You don't mm-hmm. really see them getting set down. 
And now that ticket looks okay. Casa's kind of meh. Rui's eh. Though I guess they're live. I wish I had some Taj Bradley. That's where I'm going. So here we are kind of learning together, right? You thought I was going to be doing nothing but teaching you. And Professor James already dropped his first time. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I, the, the... <laughs> Come on, let me compliment you, man. It's your house. Let me wipe my feet, you know? <laughs> well, you know, of those three uh, those three names you mentioned, Yoshida, Casas, Ruiz, uh, I mean, the Ruiz one, that one is – those odds have moved up. You said it was 50 to 1. It's already 35 to 1 on yep. BetMGM, uh, 30 to 1 on DraftKings, 30 to 1 on FanDuel. Uh, Ruiz is one of those guys who is off to a, a strong statistical start. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, do you, do you think, um, quickly on the, the gunner thing, you know, he's down at eight to one. Now I said, I, I'm kind of off of him as the, the top guy, but are they giving us enough of a discount now at eight to one on the guy who was a clear top two prospect entering the season? Is that, are they giving us enough of a discount there now, like where you would view that as a value, or does it seem like it's probably going to go to one of these awesome pitching prospects, or maybe uh, a guy like Josh Young, who's already kind of got a bit of a head start on on Henderson? Man, it's a great, it's a great question, and I think I'm not any warmer on Gunnar Henderson winning than I was before. Right. right, nor has he done anything to earn it. Right. But you mentioned the most important part is the price, and you just work it backwards. Like at, at eight to one, I mean, he's gonna he's getting full run. He's playing, and if you believe him at three to one at all, you should like eight to one. Right. You just have to figure out if you like six or more people better in that spot, and I don't think you do. And sometimes, you know, what's funny? You ask the best question, which sometimes is the worst question, is almost what do you think is going to happen. Because once we try and predict the future, I don't know, right? I do think one of the stud pitching, I do think one of the stud pitching prospects is going to win. That being said, they both could be down, promoted, or injured, or both in the next three weeks. And Connor Henderson, all of a sudden, the eight hundred is back to two fifty, and you just completely obliterated the closing line value on a market. Like you told, like whether or not you win at that point, it's a professional win. I would consider that a handicapping win, James. Right to have identified plus three hundred, not have bought on it identified plus 800 as a value to only see it return at least because now hold on what do we think Gunnar Henderson is terrible or do we think he's going to go back to the player that should be four or five to one right maybe three was too high maybe this is too low maybe it's right in the middle so maybe the porridge just right is Gunnar settles back in at plus 500 so to answer your question in three million words or less plus 800 sounds like a value to me yeah you know I I think because I did like him as the favorite entering the season I I think Plus 800, I think, is a value. Although, yeah, make the argument for me. If you make your argument at plus 300, I'm sure it's good enough for 800, my man. Right. Well, so so there's this sort of epidemic among hitting prospects, which is just so uh, unusual relative to how it usually is, where unusual relative to how you – that man, that's terrible talking. All right. Uh, but, <laughs> but Gunnar Henderson, Miguel Vargas, and Tristan Casas – are all just walking an insane amount of the time for rookies. And I don't know if maybe they've, maybe it's gone too far in that direction for those guys to, and it's, it's hurting Gunner's fantasy production because like, I just don't think any of us want 
any player who's walking 22% of the time to be walking that much. It just, it doesn't help us in our game. It's not getting us RBI. It's not getting us home runs. Uh, and he's only got the one steal to show for it so far uh, with that 365 OBP. So I, I wish he was walking less. Like, I, I don't think guys traditionally just win this award on the back of a, a strong OBP and little else. Uh, but I do think that the power is there. Like, the power is very legit to me. Uh, the swing decisions that he showed last year were, were very legit. He hasn't gotten to that power yet. Um, I still think it's going to be there. I, I still think, you know, 18 to 22 home runs is there. But does that win rookie of the year? 20 home runs? Probably not. Uh, so I, on the one hand, I think getting a player as talented as Gunnar Henderson at 8 to 1 is appealing. But if I could uh, – if I could put a ticket together right now that had Hunter Brown, Tosh Bradley, and Mason Miller on it, I'd I'd love to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Because we have live info, right? You know what I mean. You're getting to see it. The 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 pitchers look crisp, and that's where you want to be. I, I want to address the patience thing too, James. Man, this is one of the things for all the time I spend on this stuff, which is just about you know 23.99 hours a day. I can't get to everything. I'd be curious because I thought about this. I'm curious to know exactly what type of pitches these young rookies, all of them, are laying off. What I'm getting at is this. We know the, the league is highly analytical at this point. Mm -hmm. And now we're, you know, the craze of all the bendy sweepers and all these slurvy, swervy things and all this stuff. Is it possible that the young guys are just seeing a disproportionate amount of bendy stuff that they're looking to lay off of and just – the chess piece, the chess pieces haven't aligned for them properly, and I'm almost making the case for them in that the next adjustment is the true determinant factor, actually. And I don't mean it's years away. I mean this is this should be coming soon enough because I don't think they're going to be walk, putting these guys on base 50 percent of the time. The pitchers are not trying to do that either, right? The the opposing team is not trying to do that. But that's my first thought: is when we say they're being patient. All we have is output stats. You know, they're not buying and stuff. But were they pitchers that we want them to swing on, I think is really right, the intention, right? If I'm finding out Tristan Costas is laying off in-zone four-seamers, we have an issue. If I find out he's only offering it, though, it's like maybe we are doing – maybe we're on the right pathway. You know what I'm saying? So there might be a bit of nuance to that stuff, meaning I wouldn't abandon ship on these players just yet. But to your point about walks, just last thing, it is so important. One of the most important mistakes I've made – moving from high stake points into kind of five by five arena was not having that translate over. Even if you see a high BA, the guy that walks too much, that batting average doesn't have a chance to impact you the way you want it to. Cause there right. aren't enough plate appearances. You know what I mean? Up uh, um, at bats is what I mean to say. See like that goes to show you, right? The confusion, confusing the two. Right. I mean, Gunner is, he's swinging at less than half the pitches in the zone. Uh, we want him to be more aggressive than that. His he, his chase rate isn't really up. His contact rate's down. Uh, I mean, but to your point, I, I mean, what we want in 5x5 five five NFBC is we want the Trey Turners. We want the Boba Bichettes. We want the guys who are, you know, get that walk rate so that it's high enough that you're hitting at the top of the lineup, but not so high that it's taking right. everything off the table. Right. Um, well, it forces pitchers into the zone also, 
right? You want him, you don't want to offer too much out of his own. Gunner, Gunner is very unique because look at it. To see Chase rates in the low 20s and then not see that he's aggressive in the zone. See, that's an issue, but it's also not an issue that can't be corrected. Right. So it, it, with Henderson, it feels like a matter of patience. And again, why the 300 was kind of meh, but also why the 800 might be like meh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to let's let's head to a quick break from our sponsors. Then I want to I want to figure out, like, when can we bet on Mason Miller? Why can't we bet on him? How come these players that have a zero percent chance of winning the award are available to bet on? Uh, I want to ask uh, <laughs> Johnny Stud all that uh, when we come back from this message. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played. And they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, Daily Fantasy has never been better. 
Right now, RotoWire listeners can get $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code MLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now is the time to step up to the plate and become a Rival today. Welcome to the arena. Baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team live and in person. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single ticket purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Pro reward tip, buy tickets your whole, for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Okay, John, like like I mentioned, I I would love to be able to bet Mason Miller right now as part of that ticket with Hunter Brown and Taj Bradley and just kind of hope that you know whichever one of those guys is healthiest wins the award. But can't bet, can't bet Mason Miller, at least not of uh, this moment, on uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, or BetMGM. But I could bet um, Nick Lofton of the Royals, he's on there. Um, you know, <laughs> Gabriel Arias, I mean, at least he's in the majors. Um, you know, there's just a bunch of guys, like Hunter Gaddis is on here. Uh, or Elvis Martinez, who's not even going to play in the majors this year, is on here. Uh what what gives, man? Like, why why are there players that have a like a literal zero percent chance? Like Ryan Creedler has a zero percent chance to win AL Rookie of the Year, but I can bet on him, but I can't bet on Mason Miller. Like, who who's to blame for that? And why are these why are these odds so just kind of all over the place? Well, I mean, listen, this really as much as we joke, you're really hinting at a much greater conversation. That we're going to end up looking back at something like this years from now and say, well, I can't believe what was going I can't believe the Wild West that was going on. So the answer is because the market is unregulated. And the answer to your direct question is the reason you can bet on the guys with no chance is because they have no chance. And the guy, the reason you can't bet on the guy who might win at 200 to 1 is because, well, he might win at 200 to 1. So the books are going to make sure, although, again, James, you know, man, I have like the microscope out. If you're going to handicap 5,000 baseball games a year, you're looking at every single pitching matchup six days a week. And even then, I can't believe it. I've come across names I don't know much about or hadn't really seen. This guy has, what, 20? I, I just I know I saw this today, so I know my numbers. I can quote them off the top of my head. It'll be close. 28 and two-thirds of experience innings pitched in professional baseball with a 54.5% K rate. The walk rate was below six. 144 batting average. I mean, just 0.7 whip. I remember this. Like, I, it just, you don't really see that but i don't know the nuance i don't understand the context as to why was he where he was for only like it's a start at a time if i feel like this guy made eight starts at eight different for eight different clubs over the course of what was i believe it's till 2021 so i don't know what to make of it it seems like absolutely electric i really can't wait to see him go but i think that's the thing right if this guy goes out and strikes out a dozen people he might open up at 
what's funny is it won't be even fair. It'll be oh, the pendulum will swing too far. Probably he'll he'll open up as a shorter odd than Taj Bradley, which won't be right, but it will be what it is. Yeah, it's it's so tough to know how the market will treat him, uh, especially looking ahead to Fab. Uh, he did have the sixteen two thirds innings in the Arizona Fall League, which makes up like. I don't know, forty percent of his uh, <laughs> pro innings, but um, the, was he good? I don't think I have AFL. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He was good. Twenty strikeouts, four walks, and and sixteen two thirds, whip under 0.8. Um, and that's a really hitter friendly environment. So I mean, he's yeah, yeah, he's, wow. he's just been nothing but good. Yeah, when he's pitched, uh, and then there's the kind of big question of, you know, how many innings will they let him throw? Yeah. Uh, I think they're doing the 100% right thing, getting these bullets into the big leagues, even on a non-competitive team, just because you just don't know how long it's going to last. Like worst case scenario would have been him getting injured at AAA later this month. And then he just doesn't pitch in the majors at all this season. Uh, but uh, monster stuff. I mean, th there's a lot kind of that has me a little worried uh, just from the way the discourse is kind of trending where you've got, multiple people like if, if you search twitter and said like mason miller plus spencer strider you'd get way too many results uh and i think that's kind of unfair to just be putting that on this guy before you've been debuts in the majors that this could be this year's spencer strider because it's setting the expectations way too high uh and then if he gets hurt in may Everyone who didn't add him in Fab's going to be able to say, "I told you so." Like he, he, he's only throwing how many innings? Why, why are you guys going crazy like that? Uh, but it's it's an arms race. There's enough people that are dealing with significant losses to their rotations that um, the price will be pretty intense. And and I uh, hope to end up with him in at least a few places. But um, just for rookie of the year purposes, he is on that level with Hunter Brown and Taj Bradley and uh, yeah. Taj Bradley was on a bunch of my benches yesterday, not in, not in the NFBC because I didn't add him in any fab leagues there, but uh, just dynasty and uh, draft and holds and stuff well, like for that. The two stepper, like, I thought we were getting a two stepper. I kind of loaded him up. Um, I wasn't sure about the two step and I was scared of great America, but that was a huge mistake by me. Um, but like what we saw yesterday, you know, I think um, I think it's fair to kind of put him up maybe a, a step below Hunter Brown, just because I think Hunter Brown's so money in the bank. But um, Mason Miller's seven right. innings, getting seven from a rookie like that is a statement. Yeah, particularly with the Astros who do that. Um, yeah, Hunter Brown looks like it's it's going to get really good for him. Yeah, and I think he should be the favorite here, six to one. I mean, I agree. One one question is, should anyone be six to one, given how many rookies are entering this race seemingly every day? Man, that, that's a tough one. So the answer is probably who I don't know, because you got to stay up, you got to produce, you got to stay healthy, you need a spot. So right, if we were to just take all the twenty five like debut promotions we've seen, it's just been crazy, man. How many of them check all those boxes? And a lot of them do. But how many to get to six to one? Six to one. I, I feel like you might see. I feel, I feel like a pretty sharp number, James. Just like generally speaking, in terms of like consolidation, right? Like where numbers might go. They don't want it too long, where people are kind of licking their chops. 
but you can't make it too short because it's really unappealing. And mm-hmm. then people are going to be looking for longer odds. And I, I really could see that, that number. I'm checking mine right now. My national league rookie of the year ticket was funny. Like it, I actually graded them like with red light, yellow, like green light. It actually got my lowest grade, but it had the longest odds. So I had Garrett Mitchell at 20 to one. Hayden Wisniewski at 40 to 1, which I know for a pitcher to win might have been out there, but 40 to 1. And James Altman at 80 to 1. So I think the Altman, Altman might be live at 80 to 1, which is kind of ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. How did I get Altman at 80 to 1? I'm not sure. The Dodgers were saying he might like break camp and actually be on the team. So again, to you, you know, how do you shop these things? Carefully, you kind of you know, and you can't let the market dictate to you that 80 to 1 can't happen. No, it could. Right. Yeah. That that's, you said it's kind of like the wild west. It, it feels like that from an odd standpoint on some of these. Uh, I didn't notice too many of them in the AL. No, he's six to one right now. Oh my gosh. I'm a hero. I'm expecting yeah. tips. And all the- <laughs> Outman. Uh, yeah. I had, I saw him at, at uh, five to one, but yeah, I mean, wow. eight, yeah, I have eight and one. I got that. I have that on record. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, but like, do you know, these, it's just weird to me that you have um, – well, I, we can go – let's go to the NL. Um, so, like, the one that stand there, – there's a few that stand out to me in the NL, but – Oh, I'm sorry. I kind of jump put out you, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. Oh, no. No. I No. Um, well, I just quickly, I'll say, like, in the AL, um, Curtis Mead at 10,001 <laughs> or plus 10,000. Wait, 100, um, 100 to 1. 100 to 1. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann at plus – uh, or at, at 150 to one. Oh, that's another good one. Is uh, remember high impact. Look what Strider did, man. Doesn't take a lot. 120 innings could do it, man. Yeah, and and so you know, when will Ricky Tiedemann be up? Maybe he's up. Like I think Ricky Tiedemann could be up anywhere from two or three weeks from now to not at all this year. So yeah, the way the Blue Jays look, it, it feels sooner than. Later, I mean, you got to think about the, the context there. And the Yankees kind of stumbling, right, looking very hurt. The Blue Jays are so good. They just need to pitch. And you mentioned the most important thing to me, fundamentally, for these organizations, man, is this guy's going to be, what, throwing the same gas in the minor leagues? Why are you wasting those bullets? You have, you know, I mean, fine, Kikuchi looked okay, but between Kikuchi and, and Berrios and Bassett, it's been a tough go for Blue Jays fans. You know, they're they're holding their breath, fantasy managers included. So if Tiedemann is out there mowing guys down, I don't know why he wouldn't be up. So just and, for the odds alone. Yeah, and and then like the depth chart, it's just you know you got theoretically Hyunjin Ryu coming back, uh, but then it's like Mitch White. So like it it gets rough in a hurry. Uh, so I just I think it might come. To, I don't think they're gonna rush him so aggressively that it's like this guy's up like this month, but. If he gets a, and he's only got one start under his belt, but if he gets a couple more really uh, impressive starts under his belt, that could become a conversation. So right. I think I think 151 is is a little is Juicy. a little bit of an oversight. Yeah. But there's there's more of those um, there's more of those in the NL, and I'm going to switch over to that. Oh, now. the NL is totally wide open right now. It is completely wide open again. Uh, man, my biggest lesson today is that I I wish I had saved the bullet in the chamber. And then maybe that's my advice for people also, my biggest advice, aside from constructing your ticket so you win, right? Let's try and make money at this stuff. Is, man, say, let the action happen because though the market does move, I think we've already shown in real time, it is not 
let's call it sharpened, right? It's not perfectly sharpened yet. Yeah, no, and uh, a couple sort of case in point things here. Um, like, I think I think if Corbin Carroll stays healthy, I think he wins. Uh, like, if Corbin Carroll plays 140 games, I think he wins the NL Rookie of the Year award, but he's, he's plus 300. Uh, but, you know, maybe Brett Beatty at 14 to 1 is something worth exploring. Uh, maybe Brandon Fott at 30 to 1 is something worth exploring and maybe Matthew Liebertor at a hundred to one oh. is something worth exploring, which that just seems like a bad line to me because uh, Liebertor, his velocity has been up at triple a uh, he's mid nineties now, which is, which is exactly what you want to see from him. I mean, he was uh, you know, a good prospect, even when he was like 91, 92, uh, but now that he's mid nineties, uh, he's, he's got that good breaking ball, um, you know, close to a career best in, in ground ball rate, um, through four starts at triple a, that's a rotation where there's a lot of points of entry to me, uh, like Jake Woodford, you know, should he be in that rotation? No. Uh, is Jack Flaherty going to get hurt? You know, is Steven Matt's going to get hurt. Like, at Libertor, we already saw him get tested in the big leagues last year, so he's kind of got that part uh, out of the way a little bit. Uh, so, hundred to one really yeah. jumps out to me as an as an appealing uh, long shot bet in the NL. James, you have that prey again. It's a little small. I don't. I didn't want to like start squinting, jam my big nose into the screen. Yeah, but so, I, uh, I think we might be looking at something similar. I'm seeing, and this goes to speak to the greater point of disparity. I see Libertor on one board at hundred to one, and on another board at thirty three to one. I don't know if we have. So yeah, that... I, what I'm seeing on Rotowire is uh, DraftKings at 65 to one, and then FanDuel and BetMGM at 100 to one. Think about that difference. Think about the difference. Think about the difference. That is just mind. It's mind blowing in a game like sports betting, where generally profit is made like on the edges and on the margins. That's just that is a mind blowing difference to think like you could use a simple app like that and just you know. Gosh, that's just, it's crazy. You know, we're yeah. not talking about a cent here or there. These are, that's a determinative factor. And in fact, it, that kind of odd really helps you expand your, your ticket, James. Right? You know, getting 100 to 1, you could fit as many of those on as you'd like, my man. You're, you're dead right. I think you used the perfect word. I think oversight is the best word. And I think once one person or a few people, I guess, catch it and the money goes down, that's what makes that 100 turn to 65. That's what I mentioned before. So it's only an oversight for so long, which goes to why, you know, you need to be responsible, but maybe also willing to be just a little bit reactive. Yeah. And uh, another, uh, another couple that I'll mention as, as long shots, uh, you know, he was a, a guy that was a, a popular or controversial draft target in October and November, Matt Mervis. And then just no one was talking about him after they brought in a, just every first baseman in DH they could get their hands <laughs> on. But, but at AAA through 12 games, Matt Mervis has nine walks and, or no, he has 13 walks, nine strikeouts, three homers, uh, three doubles. And uh, just, just looks like he doesn't need uh, another second in the minor leagues. Uh, based on what he's doing at AAA, and he's at uh, 85 to one. Um, let me just double check. So yeah, our DraftKings has him at 50 to one. 
FanDuel 85 to 1, BetMGM 80 to 1. So FanDuel on Matt Mervis for NL rookie there at 85 to 1 seems uh, notable. And then uh, Gavin Stone's had a rough start to the year at AAA, but uh, he's at 120 to 1, I want to say 120 to 1 on FanDuel. You can't bet him on DraftKings. He's 60 to 1 on BetMGM. So how about that? You can't bet him on DraftKings. 120 to 1 on FanDuel, 60 to 1 on BetMGM. That's a really good hint. Again, a lesson for people who, you know, maybe it's a bit overwhelming. You know, you and I have our hands in the dirt and stuff all the time. Would be a signal for newbies. When you see these kind of wild swings, it's usually a leading indicator of market action. Right. So it's generally in, in trading, we would call it reading the tape, James. Like if you're I've done some derivative trading back in my day, which is like high speed, all cash, like action trading. And you you literally see volume kind of build up on the ticker and you can see the price. It's very it's like it's almost the same. The price kind of jiggles. It like shakes before it breaks. You know, that's what we would say. So you could see that again. We know which direction it's going. These are not going to go to 200 to one. They're going to go towards the 66 and the 33. So you're barking up the right tree. By the time people are done listening to this, you might see some of these moves happen already. So I'm with you. Last point on these very long shots, people, is think about the difference in perspective now that we have just from today, where if you were kind of irresponsibly betting, and it's not anyone's fault, let's say it's not anyone's fault, you pull the trigger yourself. But if you haven't been taught, you know, people are being allowed into the casino without knowing all the rules, right? So if you're just firing off a unit or whatever you normally bet at every one of these plays, you could get yourself into trouble. Flip side, do it James and John's method. And you get to really build a responsible portfolio and expose yourself to all of these great picks, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like if someone's building a ticket with us right now, you have exposure to like 12, 15, 18 different players, you know, because it fits responsibly into a portfolio. You can't look to make a jillion dollars in this stuff. That's not how you do it, people. More, you know, it takes money to make money. You need more money to make less money. You do it by percentages. And you do it like that. I'm telling you, man. I, I'm I may have to work a, a unit into this because we're we're up. This is plus EV stuff, dude. I'm not kidding. This is like I'll put my money where my mouth is, and I truly believe in a lot of this. 120 to one for guys. If Libertor is up in a week or two, he's dead heat with all the NL pitchers for sure. So how how long do would you say someone should spend if say they're putting together a ticket like the one you you talked about before the season where you got three or four guys on there you're trying to make it so that you're getting not only the right guys on there but the right units per bet so that you can turn a profit if just one of them hits how much time should people be spending when they're putting these tickets together well i kind of enjoy it so it maybe depends you know i like i like to play with it because if it just, I don't know, I don't know what the word is. Maybe it was just like a lightning, you know. And again, it's fun because having too much on one player, being over levered, as we say, is not fun. It makes you nervous and aggravated. It's when you worry about outcomes, and it's when you're kind of responsibly levered on all the stuff. Is when it's fun to run because we, again, we need the dozen people, dude. We could lose three guys to injury the next week, and we're li- we are live, bro. We are live, and as these things begin to mature, and the live market doing what it does, right? Price finding, it's one mechanism, true mechanism. We're going to be eating, we know for a fact, again, I hate to be like, we're not. We're here talking about not knowing the future, but I guarantee you dollars and donuts. Some of these hits are going to have massive CLV. I already mentioned Outman went from 80 to 1 to now 5 to 1. Yeah. 
Libertor is going to he's going to 40 to 1 almost regard almost regardless. So there's CLV to be had, there's value to be had. And again, if you're responsible, gosh, I'm just kicking myself right now because I I wish I was more open to the the fluid market, right, James? I kind of and not to be myopic, but I know that I'm focusing so distinctly on daily betting. I don't really think about futures right now. Like you said, we kind of put fantasy and futures to the side, and maybe the futures part was a mistake. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's – we'll see. I mean, we can listen back to this at the end of the year. We'll see if uh, if it was uh, worth it for you to, to have any regrets about this. But, um, like, I think the Outman example is – and then, like you said, like Libertor, like the Libertor line 100 to 1, that just sort of feels like it's maybe someone's job to be sort of sweeping these and they just haven't gotten around to that one yet. And then – it'll it'll come down even without any reporting on him coming up um and then the outman one this is this is a guy that was 80 to one and now he's five to one and we haven't played a month of baseball yet and that's how quickly that market changed nailed it exactly now um before we uh before we wrap it up let's let's just kind of like okay so i'm Back to AL, I'm looking at, again, we can't bet Mason Miller right now. Uh, I think Mason Miller, so if we assume, like, Hunter Brown at 6-1 to is a very fair line. Uh, Taj Bradley at 15-1 to is a uh, line that is is not really um, up-to-date necessarily with where it maybe should be. Uh, Mason Miller, I think Mason Miller, if you could bet him right now, like I think fifteen to one would be a good line on him, and then maybe Taj should be closer to, I don't know, like what? What do you think a fair line for Taj Bradley is right now, based on what we've we've seen? Okay, I was gonna say, see, it's weird, right? What's what's fair for you and I if we were setting lines? Like, we what should this? Right. What should this line? If you were running the the book, what should the Taj Bradley line? Well, be? if again, these are all a matter of conditionals. If Bradley is fifteen. Morris can't be less. If Bradley should be eight, then maybe Morris should be eleven. Miller, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But these things, these pieces, all are correlated. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you or I think about oversights or mispricing, the the market is what it is, and money will move it. Right? Money talks, and when it, money becomes involved, it will move it, and that will prove us right. So the thing you're kind of talking about, James, is really being confident in having identified a lot of value, you know, and that and that's okay. There's nothing, right, there's nothing boisterous about that. This is the market finding is, you know, it's kind of what we do, try to sniff out edge. So I think that's your answer is if you are having trouble placing these prices because they don't make sense, you should probably get your wallet out, you know. And I'm not saying overspend, right? Because I think I've I've been pretty clear about that. That it's always predetermined. That it's always very stringently managed. But that doesn't mean that you can't see value and go and go bet it, because I think this is 100% correct. And to finish, to put a bow on it, these are the absolute best tickets when the shortest odd, right? I'm doing air quotes, Bradley at 14, is the one that should be six and becomes the short play anchor of your ticket. So if you have a 14 to one, there's your piece right there. Go find another 10 guys. And if they're 100 to one, you could probably find another 20 guys. So. Uh, it, it, that's this is just how you build a profitable ticket because remember anyone hits because we fine tool tune the risk how long do you spend on it long enough to get the right answer i guess it was the answer before you know and then if anyone hits you you walk away with money and you never went broke taking cash and then you move on to the next venture yeah and i 
AL for the ones you can bet. I like Brown. I like Josh Young at 13. I like Taj at 15. Yep. Long, long shot would be Tiedemann at, at 150. Uh, Eurister Ruiz ticket. That's he's down to 35. Like it's been a nice start for him. I just, I don't, I think he would, the bar's going to be so high for him to walk away with this award when you look at what these other guys are doing, especially when Asturi's not like a, a gold glove type of defender. Um, and then in, in the NL, so how would you, what do you think about the Corbin Carroll plus 300? Like, is that, is that a, when, when, when a guy's looked this good, as good as he's looked, you know, I wouldn't rule out like a 25, 40 season from Carroll yep. based on what we've seen so far. But at, when you look at that odd plus 300, what's your reaction? You know, again, just to, just to, the context of the bet itself, because remember, this is not we're not betting on the Diamondbacks to win when the payout is tonight. We're betting on a future where we have to hang the money on the line for the next five months. So where I'm going with the streams is not that I don't think the three to one is fair. I think he should be the a, fa- a distinct favorite. The problem is you're betting on injury, mm-hmm. and would you will you bet plus three hundred? Because remember, you said it, not me. We're going to get 150 games here. So we need another 130 some odd games, 120 some odd games without injury at plus three to one. And when I put it that way, that's normally why I don't end up betting these favorites in the first place. Like I said with Henderson, it wasn't that I didn't think he could do it, but part of it was a skill issue, but it's also a health issue. Guys got to stay healthy. So sometimes you can kind of fade that favorite. That would probably be how I would bet it now. Meaning if you're just getting into the market now, even if you think like, if you think Corbin Carroll is a distinct favorite, your best bet is still probably to fade him and bet where you think these lines go. If he gets injured, because you remove his piece from the calculus and talk for the wild West, just went nuclear, you know, and there's been a lot of money to be made. There. Yeah. And it's, and I know, um, yeah, there's a like there was probably a time this off season where betting Carroll was uh I, I don't know what his odds were like throughout the entire off season, but um you know he I was confident about him before the season, but now you're kind of paying for that sort of being actualized. Um yeah. and then uh again Fod, I, I do like Fod at thirty to one. Mervis eighty five to one. Libertor hundred to one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 fun just kind of looking at these because it's they're obvious. They're not odds that are. It's not like someone who's been studying prospects for years and years. You nailed and, it, dude. It's a very soft we, market. They yeah. scrape. Honestly, what what happens in some of the sharper books, that's why you see they don't have them posted because they don't trust the source of progeneration, right? Like where it started. They don't trust that because where is it coming from? Again, it's not coming from you. And I I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just not soft. Maybe the markets are, there's not enough liquid in it that they need to hire somebody. And if it ever does, I'm sure they will get ready for your phone to ring. If these, if these markets ever become truly liquid and a big deal, the, you're, I'm telling you, the all your next job is, figuring out how to set these lines because you can't get smoked on a plus 101. The reason the books are able to leave these out there is because they quite literally might move it if 20 bucks gets put on it. And it's not because $20 is going to break the bank. It's because that's how fragile they've set their indications. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these things are just built on levers. 
and they hang it at 100 to 1, and they're like, this is a sick long shot. And if someone smashes $25 or $50, let's say five people bet it all at once, even if it's $5 a piece, I wouldn't be surprised they move the line because they're getting a hint that something is awry. Awesome. I really enjoyed this, John. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait. The, the next thing I'll be looking at in terms of betting is uh, the, the books have started doing some bets on the MLB draft uh, ahead of time, like a yes, couple weeks. The football draft weeks. is very big too now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I remember last year, uh, the odds, uh, if you'd bet Jackson Holiday to go number one to the Orioles last year, that would have been a profit, a, a very profitable bet. Um, and so there's, there's, that's going to be fun again this year. Um, so uh, might message you, might do some DMing with you. Uh, yeah. To that, but uh, this was a ton of fun, man. Uh, thanks for thanks, for man. kind of um, dropping some knowledge. Um, this is this is your area of expertise combined with my area of expertise. So it's a lot of fun. You want to yeah. just let people know where they can follow along with with everything you're doing, man. All right, thank you so much. You know, for the platform, James, you want an absolute goat, my man. I did my best to not like geek out as a fanboy because you know you're the man. You really are the man. You have the just the utmost respect of the industry. As the rest of us are in our chat rooms talking smack about each other, you know, no one no one is talking bad about my dude JA. So. You're the man. Thank you so much. You can follow me up at Twitter at John Legaza. You know, I'm writing at The Athletic, but right now the baby really is the betting work. I have the daily betting show, Call to the Pen HQ. And then if you want, you could sign up where I'm just a fount. I don't even know how to put it, man. It's everything. It's daily pitching stats and implied team totals, starting pitcher ranks. I run the full game algo, F5 algo. We do total base props and bets and the whole lot. I wanted to give people a look at premium betting and again, how to, how to do it, right? Because I hopefully... We showed people at least that. Again, I'm not. I don't know how to predict the future. We are up this year. I don't know if it's going to finish that way. I don't. You can't ever promise profit. But the thing we can control, James, and this is what I always tell my subscribers that paid the 24 cents a day. Hopefully, well worth it. Is we don't throw the ball, we don't swing the bat. But what we can control is our work ethic, our attitude, and the risk management in betting, right? And at the very least, it's kept me in the arena. You know, I've had some. Man, I've had some legitimate success in this business, and it's very difficult. It's not, it's not linear. It's not all the time. I don't, I don't make it sound that way. But if you allow yourself the opportunity because you have it levered, you know, then you could do it too. And again, have fun while you're having a secondary income, maybe even a primary income, depending how serious you are, right? And again, I, hopefully, I think we gave people really, like you said, man, you're, you plus me, hopefully one plus one equals three. People saw that, you know, it's baseball knowledge. It's math. But it's fun, and we're going to make money, too. You know, right at the end of the day, it's a kind of a productive hobby, hopefully. But you could show people just the right way to do it. So I can't I can't thank you enough for giving me the platform because I, I really, I think we raised a ton of eyebrows today. Well, I hope so. I mean, that you nailed it, though. The, the, the whole key is is to have fun. I mean, it's it's not worth doing if you're not having fun. Uh, and hopefully we can uh, make some money while we're doing it. Yes. Uh, Big Johnny Stud, really appreciate <laughs> you stopping by. <laughs> Uh, this has been the, the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. And next week will be my mailbag episode. So stay tuned for that one.